Just read real quickly Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Are you thankful for the great faithfulness of Jesus Christ today? Would you go with me in prayer this morning? God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to to worship this morning, to gather together in unity, Lord, to sing praises to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, may his name be lifted high today. Lord, that you would call all men unto yourself. And Lord, we want to point people to the name of Jesus Christ. Bless this day, bless the rest of the service. And Lord, again, thank you for your faithfulness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated this morning. And again, we're glad that you chose uh, to worship with us today. And uh, today, we, uh, you, you are in for a treat because my plan is to preach less than 10 minutes. Can I get an amen? amen. But you're not going to get out in 10 minutes, okay? So we have been encouraging you. As Nathan already mentioned, we had a great kickoff to our series last night and fighting for our family. Um, how many of you liked to see me just really go to town on this heavy bag back here? How many? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, too bad. <clears throat> okay, maybe I will, but it's not in the plan for today. Uh, but we want you to understand. So someone asked me this morning, uh, do you sure this is the imagery that you want to give when you're talking about marriage and having a big heavy bag up here, right? And so we want you, here's what we want you to understand, that we want you to fight for your family, not in your family, okay? There's a big difference, right? Big, big difference. So if you want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, and, and I'll give you a quick, really quick uh, overview of what uh, the background of Nehemiah chapter 4 is. So in Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah had a burden to go back. He was serving King Xerxes, and he had a, a burden to go back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we understand that the wall would signify the strength of the city. The wall would, would also signify, because Jerusalem was a city of God, that it would signify the strength of their God. And so the broken, torn down wall was a testimony to God and the power of God. So what Nehemiah was afraid of and what he understood that was because the wall was in ruins and because the wall uh, was the fortification of the city, therefore the city was not fortified, that it was a, a shame to the name of God. And because of the shame of the name of God that this torn down wall brought to Nehemiah's God, it burdened his heart. He was upset and burdened for the city. Seventy years prior to this story in Nehemiah, uh, there had already been a remnant had gone back to Jerusalem. They had rebuilt the temple, but they did not rebuild the wall. And so that's the context of Nehemiah chapter number four. And so we're going to take time just to read a few verses, all right? Just a few verses in 12 through 14. If you have your bulletin with you this morning, I would encourage you to get it out. These few verses are there in the bulletin in case maybe you forgot your Bible or didn't bring your Bible. Uh, maybe you're on your phone and you got your Bible. That's great just as well. Uh, but we want to hone in on these few verses. And so we won't take time, but I, I want to briefly mention the first few verses uh, of Nehemiah chapter 4 are basically people from within the camp and enemies outside the camp ridiculing 
what Nehemiah is trying to do. They are pointing and laughing at this meager group of people who are going to try to rebuild the wall. So that comes, that ridicule came from the inside. It also came from the outside, right? And there are plans from the outside, the enemy, to attack because obviously if you're an enemy of the city and the city is about to rebuild their walls or fortify their city, it's the time to attack before that takes place, all right? So this is the context we find in verse number 12, Nehemiah chapter 4. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us, all right? So this is their own people telling them the people are going to attack. Ten times it says over and over they came, you're going to be under attack, you're going to be under attack, you're going to be under attack, you're going to be under attack. That's four, I'm not going to ten, all right? You're going to be under attack. That was the word. Now we're up to five, right? So you're counting. Verse number 13, therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. This is Nehemiah referencing I position. Verse 14, and I look and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people. You might underline this in your Bible. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You get the sense that Nehemiah is saying, listen, we are about to be in a fight Take your position and fight. And what is the reason we're going to fight? We're going to fight for our brethren. We're going to fight for our sons, our daughters, our wives, and our houses. And here I want you to understand, church, that right now in our culture, and it's, it's nothing new. It's gone back to Genesis chapter 3 when Satan first attacked. What was his attack? His attack was on the family. The first institution of God, the first ordained institution of God was not the church. It wasn't the government. It was the family. It is the family that is supposed to represent the relationship to God, uh, to Christ, and his church. And Satan's attack is not necessarily on the church. His attack is on the family. And if the family structure breaks down, what is going to happen to the church? The church structure is going to break down. And so we want you to understand as a family that, that Satan is attacking your family, and we don't want to deny that. We want to acknowledge that Satan wants to attack you, and that's why we're, this series is about, are you going to stand up and fight for your family? And Nehemiah, he calls out to the people, fight. Men, fight for your families. And I want to tell you men in the room this morning that God has placed the responsibility of the discipleship of your family, your, your wife, your kids, solely on your shoulders. The church is here to supplement and to help and to encourage and to resource, but the responsibility of the family is on you men. And we need men who will rise up and stand and say, you know what, I will fight for my family. Men, are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to fight for your family? And we have to understand, number one, our families are under attack. Satan wants to destroy your family. Satan wants to destroy my family. Satan is on the attack. The second one, 
It's time to fight for what matters. Here's the sad reality, man, and I, I hate to just pick on you, but uh, I'm picking on myself as well. We're so easy to fight for everything but the most important thing. We, we can pick up any cause we want, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's the cause. It's at 6.30 tonight for the Dallas Cowboys. That's our cause, right? And we'll def- We'll defend them with everything we have. Or we will attack them with everything we have, right? Just bear with me for a moment. What if we showed that much passion and that much energy to, attack, to fight for our family? Because we don't, do we? We don't, do we? Fight for your family because I'm telling you, Satan is on the attack. I read a statement many years ago that's just stuck with me, and it says, As goes the man, so goes the family. And as goes the family, so goes the church. And as goes the church, so goes the community. And as goes the community, so goes a nation. Men, you need to stand up and fight for your family. And this morning, we have a great opportunity this morning to hear of a a story of an attack that Satan had on a family, but we also get to hear this morning the restoration that God can bring into a family. Would you watch the video with me this morning? October 19th of 2009, I got a phone call and with some troubling news, and, and, and after the phone call, I mean, I, I was angry, I was hurt, and in a disheveled way, I, I went to my bedroom, got my handgun, loaded it, got in my car, and headed to his house. So we've been married 20 years. Um, we met and married in 1995 in Springfield, Missouri. We were married in, in his church that he'd grown up in, it was a cold November day and a beautiful ceremony filled with family and friends. From then on, we started our, our family and 10 years deep, we had three beautiful children, two boys and a girl. And Aaron got a call to be a uh, associate pastor at a church in Midland, Texas. Ministry for me was going exactly how I was hoping it would go. Uh, just everything that I felt God had called me to do. And the one negative is is I was neglecting the very first ministry he had called me to do, which was my family. He's growing and he's got all these things he's doing and everybody was, oh, Aaron this, Aaron that. And I just, I would always get, well, you don't act like a pastor's wife. So I always felt kind of like I didn't fit in. And I just felt, kind of started feeling very alone and I didn't know what my place was. And during that time, it, it led me to uh, having an affair. And that went on for quite some time and long enough that the Lord allowed it to be exposed. And from there on, our life changed forever. You know, you get the news that nobody ever wants to hear. I, I, I just lost it. I mean, I didn't know, like I said, I had no plan, didn't know what was going on. Went, grabbed my gun, headed to his house. On the way over there, uh, my best friend calls me out of the blue and 
told him what I was doing and where I was going. I was going to this guy's house and I was going to solve the problem. And at that moment, he told me that I needed to turn around, go home. So I turned around, went to the house and prepared for the fallout. With me, I was at home waiting and not knowing what was coming in the door. Is it going to be a husband that's forgiving and saying, here, well, let's, we're going here, and we're, we've got all this healing ahead of us, we've got this in place, and, or you need to pack your bags, you're out of here. It was, my heart was free in the Lord, but I was very weighted down by the sin and what I had caused. It was un, unsure as what our future was going to look like. Um, I called the pastor through a series of events. Um, was told that healing wasn't an option through the church. Um, so that wasn't an option. And then, you know, I, I lost my job as a pastor. So now after that meeting, now I'm going home to be in the same home with a woman who I didn't want to see, who I felt didn't want to uh, be around me, I mean, because of what had happened. But even then, I, I didn't know how that was ever going to work out. I didn't know. Um, what God was going to have to do to step in. Yeah, we didn't feel like at that time that Midland was going to be the place for us. And so I knew, you know, her family was up around the Dallas area. Uh, you know, we knew we needed to get some counsel. And uh, I called the village, got a hold of a secretary, and that changed everything. Um, I told him our story, and she interrupted me right in the middle of our story, and uh, said, no, 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 I don't need to hear anymore. And I said, well, you probably do, because no one else has taken this kind of a thing. And she said, no, 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 this is what we're all about. You need to get here as fast as you can. And uh, so at that very moment, it was okay. God's speaking, and God is directing us to the village. So yeah, when once we got up here and got involved in the church, we got involved in recovery. Uh, we got involved in a home group. We had uh, different people speaking into our lives, and everybody was speaking the same message. You know, go to Christ, go to Christ, freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ. And I struggled with that because, and this is kind of where I started, because initially I thought, if we can just get her fixed, maybe we'd be all right and we could make it. And I really wasn't expecting that my heart would be exposed. Um, my heart was exposed because of me neglecting my first ministry in my home, that I laid the groundwork for all this. That as a father and as a husband and as the man of the home, I didn't lead spiritually the way I was supposed to. And that was hard to know that I actually had a hand in that. So over time, as we continued to grow and our marriage continued to mend and we continued to grow closer to each other as we grew closer to, to Christ, we had the opportunity now to, to go in and teach and actually lead the recovery group. We're able to share hope, not in our story, I mean, but hope in Christ who stepped in our story. We had a wonderful home group who poured into us, who became our community, who became our family. And since October 19th was such a dark day, they decided to have, in a sense, Freedom Day. And we would go out to eat and we would celebrate and we would look back and just see what God had done in our lives, what he brought us out of. And our fourth year, uh, the celebration, I was getting ready for it. And in that getting ready, I found something that uh, took us on a whole new journey. We get home that night and Jill 
tells me that she had found a lump before we left. Over the course of two months, uh, we find that she's diagnosed with breast cancer. So just about the time we think we're through our storm or we've kind of turned the corner, um, now this comes. During you know the next two years, um, you know, multiple surgeries, eight or nine surgeries, radiation, everything that we went through, everything we had gone through previous, God had been so faithful in that that we knew he was gonna be faithful in this. And it's nothing that either one of us ever did. I mean, we screw things up daily. I mean, it's not easy. There's still a lot of hiccups and a lot of speed bumps we go through in this journey. But regardless of that, God is faithful and his character is unchanged. And we find ourselves clinging to that more than we ever cling to each other. So the, this morning, as I mentioned, uh, Jill and Aaron are here, and uh, in case you don't know, uh, Jill is the sister of my a younger sister, my wife, Joy, and uh, so they're my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, we've been a part of their life for a long time. I'm going to ask them if they would uh, to come up here, and uh, they're going to take, would you give them a hand as they make their way up here this morning, and uh, appreciate them. And uh, we are just going to kind of uh, have an opportunity this morning. I'm going to ask them a few questions. We have uh, kind of talked through a lot about their uh, recovery in the last eight years and uh, where God has brought them and how he's brought them there. And so I thought kind of the best way maybe to do that is to direct a few questions to them and uh, let them kind of on their own and kind of impromptu to share um, um, my guess is Aaron will talk more than Jill, uh, but uh, we'll see about that. So really the first question I had that I kind of like for you guys to speak to is, especially early on, did you uh, want to fight for your marriage, or were you more interested in fighting in your marriage? Kind of just walk us through that maybe. Um, I'll speak first on that one. I feel like when it, it was exposed, like I said in the video, I was immediately repentant and re immediately exposed everything was exposed of who I'd been and what I was and I was wanting to fight for our family and I feel like he was then now turned into this everything had turned in and he was in a dark place so we had to do a lot of fighting it was a different style of fighting but I feel like that's what we I wanted to fight right yeah I didn't at all um, I wanted out uh, I was so ticked off and so hurt from everything. And it wasn't just so much from her. I mean, a lot of it even in the video. I, was, I had my identity caught up in being a pastor and what I was doing that when all of that was stripped away, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And so I was so angry um, at her, and I was horrible. I mean, I, I've asked for forgiveness of this many times, but every day once we got up here, I would walk in the house, hey, have I told you that you ruined my life yet today? And, uh, and I would literally say that to her, and she just she wouldn't have anything to say back. And, and it really came to the point where in the beginning, I didn't want to fight, but I wanted to endure because I didn't want my kids. And that was kind of a bad motive, which I'll, I'll get to here in a little bit. But it wasn't uh, a one-time fight, but it was something over the course of a couple years where God really began to, to move in my heart. Um, she was very repentant, but she said that she was free of it, but her being free of it, put more of it on me. Right. Now I'm carrying this burden of what we're having to walk through. And, and like you said, that you're, we're always under attack. And, and that scripture that says, seeking whom he may devour, that Satan's out there looking for those who he can devour. 
that devour isn't a, a play term. I mean, it's an absolute destroying of the family unit. And we felt that. And for me in the beginning, and even up to now, I mean, there's still hurts in it. It's not an easy fight. Um, because for us, we had to dig into some deep level stuff that, that I didn't want to get into. I'm a pretty private person. I don't want you knowing my junk. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to open up or I'm doing this now. Obviously, we are now. But before, I didn't want to open up. I especially didn't want to share that. And so I had to accept my part in this whole fight that I laid the groundwork for it. And really, it took probably two years, a year and a half, two years into it before I was really walking through it and walking through it, what I would say, in a biblical way and really pursuing her heart in that. It was very hard in the beginning for me to have anything from her. She was growing spiritually, and, hey, can I pray for you? And I was like, no, you can't. I don't want you to talk to me. Um, and so it was a long road, yeah. Wow. In that, with that, I would share that it, and when that moment when he would shut down, then I had to fight in a new way, and a new way was just praying that the Lord would just use him, take him, you know, open-handed right. with Aaron. Mm -hmm. I finally had to just lay him out and say that he's yours, and that's the prayer I had to pray. It was a different style of, of wasn't fighting, it was actually fighting through, right. through the Lord. I think that's an, important for all of us, right, to realize that, um, at least for me, maybe you guys are different than, than me, but it's easier to fight what I see, and that's, you know, in any relationship. But again, going back to what we're talking about here is that, that the fight is not uh, between us as a spouse. The fight is between us and Satan, right, that we're on the same team that we're in this fight together, and, and so early on, um, you kind of mentioned the video, but where, where did you find that support? Was it in your faith? Was it in your faith family, your, you know, your family, your friend? Where did you find that community that, that you really everyone needs? Um, I immediately found it in the Lord because in exposure and bringing me to where I was, this, he, he rushed in as, as he will, and he always does, but I found it in the Lord, but he also put our, my family as a good support system, but then he gave us a community in the church and a home group and people to speak into it because we could not do it alone at all. Yeah, mine's the opposite again. Um, my family really uh, in the beginning um, didn't, they wanted me to leave. My family, uh, especially my dad had kind of made a few statements that, that he thought I should leave Jill. And so I couldn't really go to my family. Um, you know, I sat, this place is very special to me because John and I sat back in a truck back, I don't know where I'm at, but okay, back there. Um, we sat in a truck back there and talked for a couple hours, and John just listened while I'm just ranting about everything. And so for me, uh, I, I truthfully, I had a hard time going to my in-laws to really share what I was going through because... You know, it was just a weird deal. And so once we got to the church and we had community, um, I think our faith and that community was really what you had to have. And not only that, but, but to have a church that was willing to be open about it. I mean, I think what, we, what you guys are doing here is very rare, um, to be very open and transparent about stuff like this. Because a lot of churches just want everybody to have their teeth straight and put on that mask and everything's perfect. And, and we don't struggle. And anybody asks you, hey, how are you doing today? What's the normal answer? Oh, we're fine. Instead of saying, actually, we're a dumpster fire, can you pray for us? You, you don't get that. I mean, it, you, you just get the, oh, everything's fine. 
And so for us to have a church that was very open about that, that continues to say, hey, it's okay to not be okay, it's just not okay to stay there, and then to have a community, you know, as I said before, I would say real hateful things to Jill. She would tell the women in the home group, hey, this is what's going on at home because we couldn't argue together. They would tell the men, and then I would get an invitation, hey, let's go have coffee Saturday. And I thought, cool, we're going to go have coffee, and I'm going to make friends. And we would go to get coffee, and they would, hey, I heard you said this to your wife this week. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) What are we doing here? And it got to a point where I'm kind of stubborn, and they had to punch me in the mouth and say, you cannot treat your bride that way. That is not the way God intended. I mean, and they had to get involved in my life. And really, uh, it got grimy where I was, okay, talk about fighting for your family. I, I I was wanting to knock them out. I didn't want them to come at me like that. But through that, and through them being consistent and transparent and us being able to be vulnerable, God used truth to bring darkness into light. Which is really, I mean, the awesome thing that God does is he takes darkness and he brings it into light. And when it's brought into the light, it has no power. And so that was what continued to happen. And it, I would love to say it was a one-time conversation, right. but I drank a ton of coffee the first two years. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a lot yeah. of coffee because it was a lot of struggles. Yeah. We'd have some coffee this afternoon, Aaron, by the way. No. I didn't say anything. And we had, like, the coffee was with Aaron, but then there were women that were speaking. And I think the thread, like he said, was truth. It was biblical truth of just, here y'all are. Okay, because I had to get my focus off of Aaron and our this. I had to get my focus off, and there was a lot of times the women would bring me out and put that truth in my life so that I could focus on what was needing to be done. And I think the community, I mean, even when we found out after we had, you know, been through it a couple years and Jill was diagnosed with cancer, that our community continued. It wasn't just when we were on fire. It was when we were hurting, our community stepped in, and I don't think we cooked a meal for, I mean, it was a long period of time. I mean, it was a lot of good food and a lot of people stepping in, but it was, hey, we're going to watch your kids tonight. And they would take the kids and take them somewhere. It was just kind of that that passage in Acts when it talks about they were breaking bread. They were doing life together. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to see you on Sunday and not see you again. I mean, I was getting multiple phone calls, texts through the week. She was getting the same thing. Hey, what can we do for you? How can we serve you better? And it was a truly selfless, transparent type of community. I think the the easy thing, at least for me sitting here and, and thinking through this, is that it's it's much easier not to fight. You know, that it's much easier just to leave. Um, and you heard him say that's a, at least a two-year process of the really, like, intense fight, uh, whether that's with themselves or, you know, through dealing with God. So I guess the question maybe that you could help us cause, is, what's the purpose? Why should I stay and fight? What's the, you know, there's got to be a bigger purpose than just having the marriage stay together. What's... What's that purpose or reason that would be willing? Because it would have been easier just to leave um, and not to fight. So maybe you could speak into the bigger purpose of, of sticking it out, fighting it out. Um, in the beginning, you know, I hear people say we're going to stay together for the kids. And, and I, that sounds verbally right, but it's a horrible motive. And, and because eventually those kids are gone and you still have those same root issues that have never been addressed. And for me, I mean, it was really the idea when God really began to speak into my heart, the difference in a marriage between contract and covenant. I mean, contract was as long as she's doing everything I want, I'll be happy. And as long as I'm doing everything she wants, she'll be happy. And it was this idea that, that no, it's a covenant. 
I mean, it, it's a covenant on don't know what's going to happen, don't know how the next few years are going to go, but no matter what, I'm in it because I want to honor God with our marriage. And, and the whole idea of all of this is that God would get glory. I mean, we're two jacked up, screwed up people. I mean, on a daily basis. I mean, hang around me for a little while. You'll see it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yes, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it is, but if God can take some mess like this that would normally just be a statistic to society, oh, you should leave them. How much more glory? I mean, that, that to me, it's amazing because there's nothing we did. I mean, you saw what happened when we tried to run our marriage. I mean, we nosedived it. But when God steps in and did something, I mean, it was just, that was the motive. Um, because marriage is not a glorified dating system where you can just bail out when it gets tough. I mean, it's a covenant. It's a lifelong commitment to honor God. I mean, it's not me, as much as I want to honor Jill, the end goal is to honor God Amen. and, and yep. give him glory through everything we go through right yeah. for sure yeah i mean i i felt like the, you know you say i think a lot of you, well we're just going to like to stay with the kids but when we finally realized that we wanted because this is god honoring like aaron said i think that that was when it became the beauty of it started he started unpeeling back those layers and allowing things to get exposed so that we can be uh where we could see it the goal of it. It right. wasn't just to be stick together so that our kids could have parents. He stuck us, he wanted us to be together because it's what he wanted, this, his, his glory was coming from it. Right, I think it, it's similar to um, the burden Nehemiah had. Mm-hmm. And it and should, for us as our marriage as well, because um, our marriages are supposed to point people to Christ. Yeah. It's supposed to be a picture of the relationship that Jesus Christ had to the church. That's why Ephesians talks about men love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so the reason Satan wants to attack your marriage and your family is because it's a direct attack on the glory of God. And it's the same thing with with Nehemiah building the wall. The, the, The purpose wasn't just to have a fortified city and to have a wall that looked good. The purpose was in a wall that looked good in a fortified city, it brought glory to God. And that's the goal of marriage, to bring glory to God. And so um, that's huge for us to think of that, again, as they spoke, as, as we look at marriage as a contract. So she, there's a breach of contract, therefore I'm out. And it's, that's not what marriage is supposed to be. It, it is a covenant till uh, death do us part for the glory of God. And, and, and so, you know, we're, we're eight years removed from this being exposed um, how would you say that God has used your story and, and maybe even speak into how you hope God continues to use your story? I mean, with us, he's used our, our story in multiple ways because, we, as we've said in the video, we, we help the marriage reconciliation group at our church, and we have walked with couples, so I think he's used it in that way. Um, he used it, our, this piece of our story, for me personally, is when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, four years in, I mean, that was very scary, but I could look back and see what he was doing and already had done and how faithful he had been in restoring this. I knew he had me. And regardless of what I was going to go through, mm-hmm. that he was there. Right. Because it was dark. There were dark, dark days with us. So I knew dark days were going to come with the breast cancer, too. And there was. But I was able to go, okay, you were there then. You're going to be here now. So he's used it in my life personally and I think through helping other couples to see that he can and he right. will 
and he can make it sweeter and better. Yeah, we, we really try to hold on to the fact that God never wastes a hurt. I mean, it doesn't matter what your story is. I mean, God never wastes a hurt. And, and if you would have told me nine years ago or eight years ago or even six years ago, hey, this is going to be better off after all this happened, um, I would have said, you know, probably some different choice words to you. It just it, There was no way that I was going to see any good out of this. I mean, how could God take something like that and turn it into something good? Um, but the scripture, when it talks about that all things work together for good, that really came alive to me that it, not all things are good, yes. mm-hmm. but all things can work together for good. And, and God did something in our marriage that, that I don't want to be a statistic. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's no situation beyond hope. There's no situation that God can't step into. And, and the reality of it is, is that every one of us in here, I mean, you don't have to, and, and hopefully you won't have the same story of us, but we all have a story. I mean, every one of us in here have something in our life that God can redeem and God can reconcile. I mean, we're called in Scripture ministers of reconciliation, that we're to take this gospel and this reconciliation out to other people. And the reality of it is, is that we're all just one phone call away from our life changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got a phone call right around Thanksgiving that told us Jill had cancer. That was a really horrible phone call. I got a phone call on October 19th that kind of explained what had been happening with my wife. That was a horrible phone call, life-changing phone call. But the awesome thing about it is, is it's in that, is that God, as Jill even talked about, has taken our story, and it's this beautiful tapestry because there's things that in our life eight years ago, we would have had no clue we would have met couples with, that have gone through the same thing. I mean, it's not unheard of to have couples going through similar situations. And God has kind of said, okay, I know the world says this should be a statistic, and I know the world says you should bail out, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in, and I'm going to do something you don't know about, and I'm going to flex a little bit, and I'm going to do something so awesome in your marriage because 10 years down the road, I'm preparing you for a couple that you haven't met yet. You don't even know them yet, but something's going to come across the way, and you're going to meet them, and you're going to be able to give them hope, not in you, but you're going to be able to share Mm -hmm. my gospel and my hope in that, and I'm going to bring them into the fold. And then five years down the road, they're going to tell somebody about something that happened in their life, and it's this beautiful tapestry. I mean, I look at the carpet here, and if I just focus on one strand of the carpet, it's not very cool. But if I step back and look at this whole big picture, and that, that's kind of what God does in our stories, is he takes the horrible, and, and he uses them for his glory. And he takes the good, and he uses them for his glory. And he's bringing people together that we've never met. And hopefully one day down the road we'll meet somebody else, and we continue to walk with these couples on a weekly basis that just God places in our lives that see hope. And, and it's awesome because in our group on Wednesday nights, we have couples that have been divorced and remarried and couples that have gone through similar situations. And then we have couples that have only been married a year that have come in and said, hey, I've heard people make mistakes. I want to try to learn from that before we get in you know, right. to this. And that's the great thing about it is, is God redeems and restores and there's nothing outside of his reach. And it can restore in restoration. He brings a beauty to it as well yeah. that there was probably wasn't even before this all happened. He brought even, I think, I'm speaking for myself, but a sweeter right. relationship between us because we, we know how, we, what he's done, it just, I don't know, it's just richer. I yeah, guess. I mean, when we got married in 95, I mean, when we stood there and said our I do's and all that, I never thought, hey, guess what you're going to go through in a few years. I mean, that was no. never on, on the verge, but through that, I look back and I see our marriage is sweeter, it's more God-honoring. Mm. Um, God has taken that, and, and I'm happier in our marriage now. I feel God is honored in our marriage more now. I mean, our kids are here. 
this morning. They've gone through this with us. I mean, we shared it with them about a year ago when our church did this video, and, and it was amazing because our oldest got upset. He got upset and threw something and made the statement, um, our family is above things like this. And that was an awesome teaching opportunity because I was, that exposed an idol in his heart that none of us are above this. I mean, sin is sin and none of us are above. I mean, we're all one decision away. And, and so it was, gave me an awesome opportunity to walk with my son on that. And, you know, they've all come to us since then. Hey, thank you guys for fighting. Thank you guys for, for you know, committing to this. And, and I love the way that God's used your story. I mean, it's awesome that they can sit in here and, and hopefully we're sowing and investing in a godly heritage is what Jill's family has, this amazing godly heritage that maybe we can start one on my side of the family now and just see our kids continue to say, hey, when it gets tough, we're not bailing out. Right. I mean, there, there's God's in this. And, and there's just so many things that, that God continues to do. I mean, I could talk for hours on the blessings of it. Yeah. Coffee sometime, right? Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> um, I kind of want to wrap this up, but could you guys just uh, let them know you appreciate them being here. Let them go back to their seat. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you, man. Thank you. I, I think in them telling their story, again, one of the things Aaron said was God never wastes a hurt. Um, we sometimes waste our hurt, and, and, and so I appreciate them being willing to uh, expose themselves here to us and to uh, really even relive those uh, emotions, and I hope that it's a challenge to you, and, and so if you have your bulletin, kind of, again, bring this to a close this morning, um, and this really, uh, I had this outline, kind of already got to give them this outline before I, I really had a chance to really dive in and talk to them about their, their story and how this was going to be presented today. Uh, but the next, the next blank on your outline, um, I think is really important for us to understand. It says, for God's sake, fight for your family. Um, and, and so in that, you know, you, you hear that phrase a lot, for God's sake, fight, you know, but what does that really mean? It's, and so even in them answering the questions, it's not that I want to fight just for my, my kids, that's, that's part of it, but why do, whose sake or why, for what reason should I fight? It's, it's for the sake of God. Because everything we do is supposed to point people to the honor and the glory of our holy, righteous God. And if we are not willing, maybe we're not, you know, even as Aaron spoke, it, it wasn't like he wanted to fight for Jill. He really wanted to fight Jill, right? And not fight for his marriage, but fight in his marriage. And even though maybe you can't get up that, I want to fight for even for my kids, or I don't want to even, you know, for my wife, my spouse, is, is what I'm asking you this morning is that would you be willing to fight for the sake of God? Because ultimately, that's the only reason to fight. That I want to fight for my family and for my marriage and for my kids and for my heritage. Not for my glory, not for my honor, but for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ who died for me. Is, is he worth the fight? Yes or no? Yes. For God's sake, fight. The second one, or the last one here, is if you will fight for your family... God will fight for you. 
How awesome is this? So in verse number 20, if you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read it real quickly. You can mark it down. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20 says, and Nehemiah is speaking, wherever you, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet. So in other words, wherever you're at, when you hear the sound of the trumpet or when you hear the battle cry, right? Ten times over, it's been, it's been a warning. You're gonna, they're going to attack. They're going to attack. They're going to attack. And so Nehemiah says, when you hear the trumpet, the battle cry, rally there. Get, get, to, get to the point you're supposed to be at. Get to the battle. And then he last statement of verse 20. Our God will fight for us. Get to the battle, sin. For God's sake, fight. Get there. Pick up your sword. Be willing to fight. And when you make that decision, I am going to fight for the sake of God. What does God say? I'm going to fight with you. Because the truth is, uh, all of us, James says, we all stumble in many ways. We're all sinners, yes? We all have issues. We all have problems. And, And when you bring... Uh, two people with problems and issues and selfishness and self-centeredness together in a marriage, guess what? Now you have two people who stumble in many ways. And then you throw a bunch of kids in there in the mix, and guess what? Now you have five people who stumble in many ways. For God's sake, fight. And when you do, God will fight for you. Are you, are you willing to fight for your family? Okay, so if you're not encouraged enough to fight this morning, I've got one last video I want to show you. Okay? Let's fight for our families. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No. We will run. And we will live. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom! ask you again are you willing to fight you can do better than that I'm expecting to respond man are you willing to fight if you're willing to fight would you stand this morning women if you're willing to fight would you stand with them this morning Students, if you're willing to fight, would you stand with us? We're we're not alone, are we? We can make this fight together. 
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment as we're standing. I'm going to ask our praise team to prepare as we will worship this morning one last time together. And, and here's what I want you to do in our time of worship. We'll have our leadership team up here, and they're going to be facing you here at the front this morning. And if there's something really on your heart that you would like to pray about or have someone pray with you, there's ladies up here, there's men up here. If you would like to pray with them, then just walk up to there and ask them to pray with you. But if you'd like to just spend some time in prayer this morning here at the altar, maybe husband and wife. Maybe you want to run over to the student section here and grab your kids and come down and pray. Make that declaration as a family that we will fight for our family. We will acknowledge that Satan is the enemy. My spouse is not the enemy. We'll make the declaration this morning that no matter what the cost, no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes, no matter how difficult it may be, that we will fight for the sake of God, for the honor and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will challenge you in a moment to come forward, to pray as a family. Maybe you can't kneel at the altar, but maybe you just sit at your seat this morning and pray. Would you let me pray for you this morning? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're thankful for the promise in Scripture, Lord, that when we make the decision to honor you and to fight, that you will stand and you will fight with us. God, I know this morning there is... There is marriages in this room represented today that are hurting, that are struggling, that are, that are in the fight. God, I pray that this morning would have been an encouragement to them to stay in and to fight and to realize there's hope, to realize that you're a God of restoration, that you're a God who forgives and heals and restores and then God uses their story for his honor, for his glory. God, may we be a uh, a community of believers here today that are joining hands together and joining hands as family units to, to fight for our family. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Bless these next few minutes of our worship, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. It is in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing, great is thy faithfulness. If God has spoken to you, I'd encourage you to come.